Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. And we're going to be looking this morning at uh, Joseph, the story of Joseph. Let's just pick that up in verse 5. It says this, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Wow, that's not a good start, is it? He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And he had another dream. And he told this, told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When Joseph told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come and I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks. And bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard, him, I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand upon him, Reuben said. This to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh. And they were on their way to take take them down to Egypt. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and our blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. This, as you know, is the famous story that goes on far beyond this. And you need to read this in your own time. I'm sure many of you have read it. If you haven't, you probably, if you've seen the West End production of it. 
and you've seen the, what is it called, the Joseph and the Technical Dreamcoat. And many of us love this story because it paints the picture of a person who receives a dream and a promise from God that he will do great things. And he sees these dream, this dream that he shares with people. But what's interesting about the story is although he receives this dream from God, when he shares it with his friends and family, they don't seem to agree with the same interpretation that he has. I want to tell you that as much as it's a great West End production, it is not a fairy tale story. This is truth. And today it paints a picture for you and for me that God, I believe, has planted dreams in your heart, what he's going to do in your futures, what he's going to do in your lives. You know whether you've dreamed it just like he did. God has spoken to you in the subtleties of your heart to show you that he has a plan and a purpose for you that is above and beyond who you are. I don't know if you agree with that, but I do. I agree with it because I believe the moment you get saved and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you separate yourself from this world and you are giving yourself to a supernatural God that has a plan and a destiny for you that he was written before time began. Psalm 139 says this, that his days were ordained for us. They were written before they came to be. So there is a plan and a purpose for every single individual in this world. Whatever they've gone through, whatever they feel like, there is a plan and a purpose. The problem is that people, until they become born again and the, and the darkness is removed from, and the veil is removed from their eyes, God cannot show you his dreams and plans and purposes. So what we do is we live in the limitations of our own fleshly dreams. We live in their own limitations of what we think we can do and achieve. I want to encourage you today, if you do not know Jesus Christ here today, The best thing you can do is surrender your heart to him, give your life over to him so that he can start to show you and reveal to you the dreams he has for you that were written before they came to be. Because what we do is this, when we don't accept Jesus, when we don't accept him as our personal savior, what we're effectively doing is saying, I don't want what it says in Psalm 139 about me. I don't want all the days that you ordained and written for me. I don't want your book. I want my book. I want to do it my way and that's the way I'm doing it. And what we do is we exempt ourselves from that. And what you do is you live this trying to pursue the fairy tale dream that is nothing like God ever intended for you. But for those today who may be here, who you have heard God speak to you, you know you're born again, you know it. God is beginning to speak and show you bigger things. Let me tell you, God will always show you greater things, what you're going to do than you will ever perceive. I was speaking to someone the other day and we were saying that God always seems to give you a glove that you, you never seem to fit. It's always bigger than you. I want to encourage you. God, I've learned this. God always gives something bigger than what you can, you think you can fill. You have to accept that. If you want the dreams of God in your life, you're going to have to accept that He's going to give you something that it feels like you cannot do it. And there are people now in this room today, God is going to speak to, that have been challenged in their lives, that God has given you dreams, He's birthed things in your life. You may not have had a physical dream like Joseph did, but you have a dream to do things great for God. And today, it feels like those dreams are gone. 
Well, I want to tell you, God is by His Spirit today, I believe, wants to reignite dreams, reignite people's heart and passion for Him, reignite the things that He's placed in your heart, open back up the book of days again and said, listen, child, this is what I've wrote about you. The title of the message today is what dreams are made of. What dreams are made of. I don't know what you think dreams are made of. If you're outside Christ, I don't know if you know what dreams are really made of. But I'm going to go through some of the things today, what I believe dreams are made of. I remember just a few years ago, it was Emma's, it, well, more than a few years ago, it was Emma's 30th birthday. Everything always feels, I always say a few years ago. I hope she's not listening, by the way. Several years ago. <laughs> a number of. And... One, one day she said, my sister's uh, got, got, a, got me for my birthday. She, her sister works for British Airways, so it's always a, a good little perk when someone in the family works for an airliner. And she said, she's given me free, two free tickets to travel anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. I can choose where I want to go for however long I want to go. But not only is it anywhere in the world, these tickets are poten- they're definitely club class tickets, or they could be potentially first class tickets. Well, you know, my ears pricked up. And I just wondered who the second ticket was going to be for. And I was just listening and, and I didn't want to push myself on this one. So I just left it a few days and see what she'd say. And then eventually she came around and said, you know, we can go. And I thought, well, you know, I was feeling that myself. I felt the Lord speak to me about that. <laughs> I was really pleased when she acknowledged that she could take her husband with her. So I was really glad about this. I said, darling, you don't look a, a year older, t- older than 20. And then we arranged to, to, to go around. And so we had to choose where we wanted to go in the world. I'll tell you, when, when you get to choose something, you don't know what to do, do you? It's funny. So we get to choose where we're going to go. And one of the things we chose is we said, we want to go to New York. We, we've always seen going to New York. We could have gone anywhere, but we had children. So we had to do it in a short visit because it, it was going to be without the children. So we, we planned to go to New York. And we, we get on this British Airways flight. And I ended up going in the club class lounge in Heathrow. Oh, it was amazing. I, I felt like I was, you know, top class. And, but really, I'd, I'd only ever flown on EasyJet. You know, this is now I'm going top class. So I had to act like I knew what I was doing in the club class. You know, I wanted to eat three bacon sandwiches when all the businessmen were only eating one. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sat there thinking, I really want to take advantage of this because this is never going to happen again. And so we, we, we were in the, in the lounge and then we set off and we go to, to New York for four days. And we, boy oh boy, it was supposed to be a break. By the time I got back, I was exhausted. I needed a holiday. We did so much walking around. We went to every single site you can think of. We tried to do it in four days because I thought this is probably never going to happen again. Or she may never invite me again. So we tried to do everything. And I remember going there and I, I, I've, I've, as growing up as a young boy, you know that New York, it's the, it's the city where dreams are birthed. It's the city where dreams are. And, and I remember going there and one night we were walking down at the Times Square and we went down and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I'm looking around all these people and I'm thinking, boy, I'm living the dream. You know, I've flown over. I was in club class on the plane, reclining the seat, even though I didn't want to go to sleep. I was doing everything to try and take advantage of this trip to live the dream. And uh, it was free, so it was great. But we get there and we spend a few days and I see all these, uh, these thousands of people in Times Square. And I thought... I'm not really sure whether this place is the city of dreams because there's so many people here who are just like me who are not really living the dream. In fact, actually there's a minority who only make these uh, artificial dreams, who make it big. 
Actually, it's a lie. That you can come here and everything will change and your life will be a dream just by going to a location. You see, the world today looks not just to New York, but they look to places just like that. Artificial places that the enemy presents to us and says, you can live the dream if you follow me. But really, there's only a few make it. There's only a few live that dream. And I remember... Coming back on the, on the flight, we get on the flight on the way home and it was a late night flight. And I, I was on, this was the last opportunity to make all the best of this trip. And I, I get onto this flight and it was about midnight. And we get on for about a nine, ten hour flight or whatever it is. And I, I sat there and Emma said, I'm going straight to sleep because we had a club class so you could recline the seats. It was amazing. So I get into the seat and I looked around me and every single person on the cabin was reclining their seats. They were all going to sleep. Except me, I wanted to take advantage of the meal that was about to come out. So I was the only one in the club class who ordered a lasagna at midnight. Just because I could. You know, I didn't want the lasagna, but I was trying to live the dream before it, before it was going to end. I want to tell you, when I came back, the reality closed in. I wasn't living in club class lounge. I was back to normal, eating a cheese sandwich the next day. There's no more club class lands for me. And some of us today, we, we pursue some things in life which are going to be short-lived and they're artificial dreams. But when God gives you a dream, just like he gave Joseph what we read earlier, it's something that is long-lasting. It's something that has destiny. It's something that has power. It's something that goes beyond the material things of this life. And I want to encourage you today that don't pursue the wrong dreams. Don't pursue the wrong thing. Don't look into the wrong things. But remember, every single one of you, if you surrender your lives to Christ, He will give you your dreams if you follow Him. So what are dreams really made of? What do we think that a dream is really made of? What are you pursuing in your life? What is it that is really ticking your boxes? What is it that makes you tick every single day when you get out of bed? Is it, some of us just have got so many different programs, things we want to achieve, lists we want to tick off, and we think if we can do all these things, this is my dream. I want to ask you, when you've got all those things, where's it going to take you? I believe that if we pursue God's dreams, it's the best thing you can ever do in your life. It's the best thing you can ever do. But I'm here to tell you today that when you do, you're going to get opposition. You're going to get some opposition just like Joseph did. And these kind of oppositions are not there to break you, but to make you. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to go through three things that I believe that makes a real dream. That makes the dreams that God gives you and he's given people here already today. Number one. I believe that dreams require and they need belief. True belief. Listen, when God gives you dreams, they are above and beyond and greater than you can ever imagine. You see, the world can offer things, but there's always, you know it's possible. There's something possible. But when God gives you a dream, when he shared it with Joseph, it seemed above and beyond. It seems so crazy sometimes to believe that it's impossible. And I want to encourage you today that some of you don't settle for dreams that seem just possible. But that they're actually impossible. 
Because that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to say to you, listen, I've not called you to settle for the status quo, to accept the normal. I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you to think outside the box for the complete impossibilities in your life. Because I'm a God of the impossible. In Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. I put here that dreams God gives are not limited by the natural, but empowered solely by a supernatural God. Dreams God gives are not limited by the natural, but they're empowered solely by a supernatural God. I want to encourage you today. That God is going to give you and will have already give you supernatural things in your heart that are just above and beyond. They break the barriers. They're way out of scale. And I want to encourage you today, don't give in because the enemy will say to you sometimes, listen, this is far too great. You cannot believe that this is going to be true. You really believe that God's going to do these kind of things in your life. And before you get any further, he breaks your belief. See, Joseph, what he does... He shares his dream. He shares his dream with his brothers and his dad. And he, he goes and tells me, he says, I've, I've had this dream and I want to tell you what happened. And, 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 and I was in, the, in this field and these grains and the sheaf rose up and, you know, mine was greater than yours and yours bowed down to me. And they're thinking, this is just crazy. You really believe this can happen? And the brothers start to use words to put down the dream. And easily, quite easily, Joseph could have thought to himself, this, actually, is this just crazy? Am I, am I losing it? Because this does sound too crazy to share. I don't know if I should share this. Actually, they might be right. Listen, before you even get so far with your dreams, people will put them down. We've got to think outside the box. I remember just a few, few years ago, we, we had a, a youth visionary uh, day here uh, where we had Youth for Christ in. And just that day, I happened to be here to be with the teams all day to be going through visionary plans for the future. And one of the things they said was, they said, we want you to write on a board uh, what your visionary plans are for the next 10 years for the youth. When someone asks you to write down what your vision is for 10 years, it's very difficult, isn't it, Jaron? Very. We found it very difficult that day to write down what is, what do you want to see in the future? What's your dreams, your passions for the youth? And... I found that we wrote all these things down and they seemed really good. And I'll never forget that they, what they did is they went around the teams and they asked each one of us to say, to share what our dreams were. So we went around and people were sharing and then we got to us and I thought, well, we've got some pretty cool stuff on here. It's pretty good stuff, this, for the next 10 years. But I'll never forget one person, they said, we want to pray for you at the end now. And one person said, I, I just feel I've got a word for you. I believe that everything you've wrote down on the board is actually totally achievable. Everything you've put down is nowhere near what God wants to do. And what I realized, it shocked me in my heart. Because I realized that I was writing my vision, my dreams and passions down that were limited in the flesh. But he said, no, 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 I see something different. I, I thank God he, tell, he said that to me that day. That he broke my mold of thinking beyond my limits and boundaries. And then he said, I think it's achievable. You need to think far greater than this. It's the same for you in your lives. Some of us, if I ask you now, write down your dreams and plans, I guarantee you if God came and says, is that it? Is that what you really think? That's not what I think. I think way above and beyond. 
When we think with our flesh, we rely on the flesh. When we dream with our flesh, we dream with the flesh and rely on it. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. God says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, you ain't going to do it any other way other than by his spirit, his way only. You see, Joseph shares this dream with the brothers. And he says, this is what's going to happen. And this, they start to use words. They start to talk to him and say, I don't really believe this. Do you think this is going to happen? Even the father says this and starts to put him down. How many of you know what it feels like that? You know that God spoke to you about some things and you feel that sometimes you don't even tell people because you think if I tell them, they'll think they're so crazy. And you know what it is. God is revealing things in your heart that you think, I don't, I don't want to tell people because I'm scared that they will snatch it and, 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 and steal that dream from me that I believe God is speaking to me. I want to encourage you today, don't let people steal it. But listen, be very careful who you share your dreams with. Be very careful. You see, the Bible talks about being unequally yoked, being around people. We've got to be in the world, but we can't be of the world. Now, the problem is sometimes the world pollute and destroy your dreams. You tell them what God's telling you in your heart, and people will start to say words and put doubt and sow seeds of doubt in your mind so that you never get any further than the belief of the dream. I encourage you today, I believe some people here today have been wounded by, they've shared their dreams and their heart's passions, and now they're scared of saying any more to anyone else, because you know when you shared it, it's been literally took from you and thrown in the bin. I want to encourage you today, I believe every person here has got potential, amazing potential. Some people's words have robbed your belief. Some people's words that have spoke to you just like Joseph Brothers, They've got you to cause you to think today that you cannot live out your dreams anymore. Their words are powerful against us. Their words will destroy what God has said to us. I want to encourage you today to start listening to God's voice again. Turn your ear towards what God is saying over your lives today. Because he wants to revive your dreams. He wants to remind you again that he is in the driving seat. It's not people who are in the driving seat. But be very, very careful who you share these things with. You see, Satan comes to Jesus and he tries to ruin his dream. Jesus comes, he's anointed in the Jordan and and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. You read straight after, he's took straight into the desert. He's led into the desert. This is the, this is the, the will of, of the Father to do this. And he's took into the desert to be tested by Satan. You see, Satan is very good at killing off, trying to kill off your dreams. He will come and sow seeds of doubt himself. But let me tell you, people are just as good at it. People are just as clever as Satan is. Because when, when Satan comes to Jesus, he gets to question his authority and who he is and says, you know, do you really think you're this person? Do you think you can do this? Why don't you follow me instead? Do you really believe you're the person that, that God says you are? When God's just said to you in the Jordan that I'm well pleased with you, son, do you really believe that? And that's what Satan does in our minds. Do you really believe what God's saying over your life? So Satan's one thing, but people are another. You see, Jesus rocks up in his hometown To pray for the sick. And the Bible says this, that Jesus was a a prophet without honor in his own town. In other words, he arrives there to do some miracles and some healing. And people are looking at him saying, isn't this just the normal carpenter guy that we knew? Isn't this just the person? This isn't, this isn't Jesus. This isn't the Messiah. 
This person's the guy we grew up with. This is the person who, he's a carpenter, he's, he's Joseph's son. And what people do is, unbeknown to, to anyone else, they were putting down who Jesus was in his own town. They were saying, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the dream. Don't believe Jesus that you are the Messiah. And they got angry, it says. He says they got angry because they didn't like the fact that they'd grown up with Jesus. Now he comes and he's proclaiming who he is. I think it's amazing, that story, that it says that only a few people were able to be healed that day. He lays his hands on a few people and they get healed. You know, there's no amazing miracles. Boy, you'd love it, wouldn't you, in a meeting if a few people got healed. This is in a place where they didn't even acknowledge Jesus properly. They didn't see him as who he said he was. That's what happens. And the faith wasn't there. But let me tell you, people, their words have power to try and destroy what God says over your life. And right there and then, in that moment, Jesus comes into his hometown where he should be welcomed most by the people who love him. But right there and then, around these closest people to him, they begin to put him down saying, I don't really believe you're who the Father says you are. And look, it's the same thing. Satan has a go, but so do people. Be very careful who you share your dreams with because people's words can destroy your faith. The only ones affected that day in Jesus' hometown were the ones who didn't see the miracles. The only ones who were affected that day were those because Jesus did not let it destroy him. He continued and he continued and went to the ones who were willing to listen. Amen. I want to say that some people, when we do share our dreams with people, and it's good to share your heart with people, it's good to do this. But hear this, Joseph shares his heart with his brothers who try to destroy him, try to say this is not true, and then he also shares it with his father, who initially thinks it's quite crazy too. But listen to this. I believe that when Joseph shares it with his father Jacob, He says this in verse 11. His brothers were jealous of him. That's one key thing you'll find. If you share your dreams with people, they get jealous. They get jealous of you. Be very careful. But listen to this. His father gets angry at first. He's a little bit shocked by what he's saying. He's like, is this really going to happen, do you think? But he says this. He didn't get jealous. He kept the matter in mind. Joseph's father at first thought it was pretty crazy, like we all would if we think in the natural. But the one key difference with his father to the brothers is that he kept the matter in his mind. He didn't dismiss it. He didn't throw it away and reject it. But he kept it in his mind. And I want to encourage you today, find people like this, who you can be comfortable, who you can share your crazy dreams with, and they'll listen to you, but they don't, they think it might be a little crazy, but because they're men and women of God, they will keep the matter in mind. They don't be ruled by it, they're not driven by it, but they will keep this matter in their mind. Number two today, I believe that dreams require perseverance. You see, they don't tell you this when you fly to New York, do they? If you want to live the dream and you want to go and find all the great things in your life, real dreams, when you want to find them come to pass, they will require perseverance. They're going to require dedication when the going gets tough. And the tough need to get going. Amen? 
I want to encourage you today that don't expect life to be easy when you want to live this dream that God is going to give you or has given you already. To see our dreams come to pass, there's going to be some serious work. If we look at what happened next, Joseph goes, his dad sends him, he says he keeps the matter in mind and then he says, right son, I want you to go and find your brothers because they're up in the fields at Shechem and I want you to go and find them because... You know, as much as you're my favorite in a sense, I need you to go and join them and do the work with them. You've got to go to Shechem because they're in the fields working and I need you to go and join them and help them out. Bring word back to me. In other words, his father was very wise because he heard this supernatural dream, but he, he kept the matter in mind, but he didn't let things get affected in the lives of what they were doing. He said, I want you to go and work. And some of us today are discouraged because we've had such a supernatural dream into our lives. We've had such a, a divine thing that God has implanted in our lives. We get so hyped up by it that we're not prepared to work hard. You're not prepared to go to the fields and do anything. You want to sit back at the tent with your feet up in your ornate jacket, looking at the colours, saying, Dad, look how cool I am. I've had these cool dreams and we're not prepared to go. But the father was very wise. And I want to encourage you, be around people who are wise, who will encourage you and don't get discouraged when they tell you to go to work. And they say, keep going and doing what you're doing already. Keep doing what you're doing already because your dream's going to come to pass, son or daughter. But you need to not dismiss these duties. Your brothers are working. I know you've got a dream that's been over your life, but I want you to get out in the fields and do some work. So I want to encourage you today that he didn't give up. So he sends him out and he goes. I put here that his father kept that matter in mind. But he kept his mind on the matter. Amen. He kept his mind on the duties that needed to be done. I want to encourage you today, never lose that. Always focus on what the task needs to be done. God will release you into your destiny if you do that. Jacob's dreams did not excuse him from grazing these flocks. So off he goes. He trots off. You can imagine this now. And it says in the story, he makes his way up there. And he's on his way to this place. I can imagine what he's doing. He's thinking right now about the dreams he's had. He's thinking right now about the things that he's seen God show him. And this walk must have been a really... I'd have loved to have read his mind as he walked up there trying to find his brothers. Looking for his brothers and thinking, I wonder what they're going to say when I meet them. And he, and he goes off up there and as he's walking through... I want us to just pick up the story of what happens next. In verse 14, what we read earlier of Genesis 37, it says this. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard him say, let's go to Dothan. Listen to me. I don't know who this man is. I don't know if you've ever read this story, but I don't know who this man is. But this man seems pretty key. Because this man, whether he's an angel or some supernatural being, or he's just a guy in the fields, I don't know who he is, but I know one thing for sure. God positioned him right there and then, at this moment and second in time, when Joseph is wandering through the fields, he meets this random man who doesn't even get a name in the Bible. But there's a man. The Bible says that you might entertain angels sometimes without even knowing it. 
I want to encourage you today, this is not just weird and wacky stuff. You may entertain angels sometimes and you won't even have a clue. The reason being is because God is in the business of when he gives the dream, he will supernaturally intervene into your life even when you haven't got a clue to put some direction signs and send you in the right direction. Let me tell you this, when Joseph set off to Shechem, that moment he was living the dream. He was on his way through the fields. He was living the dream. This was the part of the dream. This was part of the process. When he meets the man in the field, it's part of the process. He's now in the dream. This is it. It's already coming to pass because God is beginning to intervene and saying, I'm going to put someone in your path that will direct you. But look at this. I believe and just think about this. I like to analyze sometimes what I believe the, the word might be saying. But when he walks through, it says he's walking through the fields. Remember in his dream, he dreams about the fields. He dreams about these sheaves of grain. And I want to encourage you today, I really believe that Joseph would have been wondering, this guy comes up to him, this random man, and and says, what are you doing? What are you looking for? It sounds to me like he found a Joseph that was wandering aimlessly, not really knowing what he was doing. Questioning, thinking about life, wandering through these fields. And I imagine him looking at the grain in the fields and looking at these fields, thinking about the dream he received. Reminded of the dream thinking, I know what I've seen, but no one seems to get it. Then all of a sudden the man says, what, what are you looking for? You look a little bit lost. Some of you today are like this. You've just been sent by the wise one to keep the matter in mind, to keep doing the work. You're in the middle of the field now, but now you've been distracted again by the field. Listen, you've been distracted by looking at the field thinking, but I remember the dream. God, why isn't it happening like I wanted it to happen? But listen, don't get distracted, get directed. Don't get distracted, get directed. Because the man directs him and says this way, they went this way. Now the problem is it all goes a little bit wrong. Because the next scene is he sends him to Dothan and he arrives there and he is about to walk into the most horrendous situation of his life. But I want to tell you today that it's part of living the dream. He was living the dream as he walked up to this place and he reached them at Dothan. Right there and then. He says that they were plotting to kill him. They saw him coming. Here's that dreamer boy. Let's get him. Let's kill him. Do you know what was happening right there and then? Joseph was walking to the hands of murderers. That does not sound like God's plan for your life. But exactly, it was perfectly in plan. Because the only way that Joseph could get to where he was going to go to is to follow the instructions of the man to go into the hands of murderers and to see what God was about to do. Listen to me. Do not ever worry when you think that you're wandering in a direction that looks like it's all coming to an end. Because right there and then is just the very beginning. It's just the very beginning of what God is going to do in your life. Amen? He wanders through these fields. And he gets there. And this man directs him and sends him. And right now he's walking into the hands of his brothers who are willing to kill him. I want to encourage you, some of us today, we will not listen to people's direction, godly direction. And we begin to choose at one point. God's dreams have been given to us. Things have been spoken over our lives in the past. We're halfway through the field and we give up. We give up. We decide that this is not for me or I can't pursue this because this looks too hard. I know that if I go and meet my brothers, I know they're not going to welcome me. And some of you today have decided to quit and you've pursued other things on the way. I remember years ago, I used to 
before when I was at college, I used to work in a supermarket every single week. I'd be stacking shelves in a supermarket. And uh, when I was a young lad, and loads of, I had to put loads of stuff out in like six or seven hours. The amount of work they'd make us do, they'd say, you've got to literally put out within hours uh, lor- lor- loads of food on these aisles. And I used to work with all my friends and, and a lot of my family. We all worked in this supermarket in the village I was from. We used to have a good time there. But I'll never forget that the bosses used to call us in and say, and they still do it today. They'd say to us, put on the end aisles these things, what they call lost leaders. They'd say, put these things on the end of the aisles that really the things that will distract people. They'll take them and they'll buy them. It will distract them from their real shopping uh, trip. And I don't know if you found this, but I found it. I go to Tesco's at Bar Hill. I went for some cheese and I come out with a flat panel TV. Especially at Christmas. You, you know, you, I come in and Emma says, did you get the cheese? Yeah, I got a good Sony TV as well. It's 42 inch. And I, I spend more time returning things. But I want to encourage you. We go into these places today and people strategize. They work around the way you shop. And they will put what's in place called lost leaders. So that you'll end up buying things that you don't really want. And they end up directing your shopping methods. This is the way it still happens today. In fact, they're a little bit more shrewd than they were when I used to do it. But I want to tell you today that there's in your life and your journey, when you're going around in your life, around them aisles and you're you getting to, towards the end, there's, there's, there's going to be times when you're going, to, you're going to be distracted by lost leaders. You're going to be distracted by things that look like they're great. Oh, this TV looks great. It's the thing that I know I've always wanted and that's a good offer. But listen, God's always got something better. Do not be distracted by lost leaders in your life that will take you on the wrong path. I put here, someone once quoted, don't downgrade your dream to match your reality. Upgrade your faith to match your destiny. Don't downgrade your dream to match your reality. Upgrade your faith to match your destiny. Amen? Proverbs 16.23 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Commit everything you do to him. I believe that God is looking for us today to commit everything we do to him. In Matthew 6, Jesus says not to worry about tomorrow. He talks about uh, seeking the kingdom first and he's talking about money. He's, he's, He's talking about us trusting him with our money. But he also says, listen, tomorrow, don't even worry about tomorrow. He knows tomorrow for you. And many of us, we get distracted by lost leaders because we get a little bit worried when we think life's out, it's out of our control. Surrender everything. Commit everything you do to the Lord. And he will establish your plans, his plans, his dreams, his destiny over your life. Amen? Finally today, number three, dreams I believe require and they need trust in God. They need trust in God. You're going to need to believe them and don't let people's words destroy them and say things of your life. Kill off your dreams. Remember the words of life from God. You're going to have to persevere and dedicate yourself sometimes to tasks that don't even look like the dream, but they're on the way to the dream. But finally, you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to trust him with everything. Because the next thing that happens in this story is, is Joseph walks straight into the hands of these murderers. And the first thing they do is they throw him straight into a cistern. It says it was empty. It didn't have any water in it. These cisterns were things that they held water in, large areas of water. And it says they dropped him in, and it's, it's funny that, the, that it says there was no water in it. This, this thing didn't even have life in it. It didn't have anything to sustain. It was an empty cistern. 
And some of you today, you've got to the point where you've got through this process. You said, yeah, I've persevered. I've believed the dream. I've persevered. But do you know, I'm absolutely exhausted. Because right now in my life, I am finding myself that people have just put me down so much. I'm so hurt by the circumstances of life that I find myself in a system that's empty. I find myself in a restricted position that I can't do anything. And right now in your lives, you feel like you're that person like Joseph. I want to encourage you today. In this story, there's one key thing. Joseph didn't die. They said they were going to kill him. But listen, God had something up his sleeve like he has for you. As, as hard as things are going to get in your life, as hard as things look on the forecast ahead, as hard as things are going to look against you, Jesus has a plan for you and he will not let it fail if you trust him. God had a plan for Joseph and this is what it was. He knew that he had Reuben, his brother, right there, the heart of love for Joseph to rescue Joseph. All these brothers are saying we're going to kill him, but God through one man changed the whole dynamic and right away, there and then, he didn't get killed. Listen, you might think that things are getting so tough for you, you're at the end of your limit, you can't take any more. But God will not allow you to be killed off. He will not allow the dreams that he's put within you to be killed off. Because he says, I've got something up my sleeve. And it looks so insignificant to the rest of the brothers. They were all sat there doing what they were doing, having this meal. But through one man, his words of life that said, let's not do this to our brother. Change the dynamic. And God would say to you today that as difficult as it gets in this next season, in the years ahead, remember this, that he will not let you be finished. He will not let you be finished. We must trust him with everything that we are. Their words of death upon him could have made him think as he was, I can imagine him being dragged and said they grabbed him and threw him in. He was thinking, what is going on? These are my brothers. These are the ones I love. These are the ones who are supposed to love me. Everything's just going wrong. Why is this happening to me? These are the closest. If these are the closest, then who have I got? And right there and then he finds himself thrown into this position. Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. There's nothing that can come against you, only if you trust God. Those who don't trust God, those who don't surrender their lives to Jesus, boy oh boy, the weapons are coming for you big time. This is not a joke. It's not a game to live your life outside of God's will. No weapon formed against you will prosper, only if you surrender your life to Him. You give everything over to Him. I'm glad that When Joseph surrendered his life to God, I'm glad that I know that the subtleties of it all were is that he had Reuben right where he needed him, his brother. The heart of Reuben to change the dynamic. He didn't need an army. He didn't need an army to come and say, don't do this to Joseph. Just one guy's words. That's all he needs. That's all he needs today for you. Don't be deceived in thinking that God cannot fight your battles for you because he can. He can rise up and he can do it in the most subtle and smallest of things that you'd ever, ever imagine. He had Reuben right there. Some of you today have been just like Joseph and right now you feel 
As I'm talking today, maybe you're feeling in your heart, yeah, I feel like right now that I have gone through these things, Phil. I understand what you're saying, but right now I feel like I'm in the cistern and I feel like I've been stripped. It says they they threw him in there and they stripped off this ornate jacket that he had. They took away the jacket, his identity. You feel like people have robbed you of your identity. You feel like God gave you this identity. Now it's gone. And now you find yourself in this system that's of restriction. You cannot even sustain yourself because there's no water. You can't do anything. It's dark. And all your identity has gone. And you say, what is the point in carrying on? Is there any hope for me? Is there any purpose for me? And then finally, you hear them talking and discussing over a meal about a caravan that's on its way down to go to Egypt and saying, shall we sell him? You hear them talking and discussing about your value. And some of you today, that you've been rejected by people who think you're of low worth and and low value. And they were discussing what they would sell him for. I can imagine, how many shekels do you think we'll get for him? And they sell him for 20 shekels of silver. But I want to tell you something today. That although their value was put on him as 20 shekels, and they dragged him back out of the cistern, stuck him on the caravan and sent him off to Egypt, right there and then he was living the dream on his way to Egypt. He was right there and then in God's purpose and God's will over his life. And as he sent down to Egypt, there was, listen to me, there's only one way to got to Egypt. That's to walk, fall into the hands of the murderers. That's to fall into the hands of the people who would deceive him, who would sell him off. It's the only way to Egypt. It was the only way to his plan and his purpose through God. Don't let the devil or anyone intimidate you in saying that you cannot fulfill your destiny. And don't think that part of the journey is when it's all going wrong, is never going to get to you to your Egypt. Because what God did through that man in Egypt is astounding. But it not only through that one man, that it, it set off a series of events. And just as God has always worked through people, showing Abraham the promises and, and saying as, as, as much as the stars in the side that you can see, this is my promise to you, you're going to have descendants. Listen, the, God, the way God works is this. He shows these amazing things, but then they have to live them out in the natural. And I want to encourage you today, whatever God shows you, he will do the same. He will take you through difficulties and challenges, but do not let people or the enemy, intimidate you. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. They sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. They showed the value and the worth they had on him. Their own flesh and blood. I want to tell you today. In your life today, there's going to be people who reject you. They're going to sell you off. They're going to, they, you think they're close to you. You think that you're around people who you're going to live the dream with. And one day, you're going to realize maybe, if you haven't found Jesus yet, that he gives a value on you that is priceless. He's priceless because he sent his son for you. He sent his son to die on a cross to pay the ultimate price. 
He bought you with his blood. He bought you with his precious blood. And I want to encourage you today that God gives you value and worth beyond what you could ever dream of. He says, look, consider the sparrows. Consider these ones that fall to the ground. Consider them. Look at them. I care for them. How much more do I care for you? Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, who can really put you down and hurt you and strip you of your identity, hurt you and destroy all your dreams. Don't be scared of these people. Don't be scared of the ones on the outside. Listen, I've got your soul intact. And your soul is going to be singing through these things. Your heart will sing through these difficulties and challenges because you know that however hard things get, your value to me is priceless. There's people in here today who've given up on themselves. You've given up on your own lives. You said, you know, I give up on these dreams. This system is far too tight and restrictive. I can't live here any longer. I can't do this. It's just too difficult. I'm going to tell you today, God's dreams are going to come to birth. They're coming soon for some people. They're going to come fresh and new for some people and for those who've given up on them. Let's stand. God wants to reignite dreams in your heart, passions in your heart to do the impossible again. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye